Hey, I'm Johnny Lynch. I'm here with Glennon and a whole host of special guests. We're here to examine how tropes bleed across movies, TV shows, and video games. Coming up, we recap our first three episodes. Welcome to Dystropia. Episode one. <laughs> trailers. Yes. Teasers, trailers. And then the films, they're like, oh, we've all this test audience there. Oh my God. Oh my, someone on the internet said that that was a bad idea. <laughs> Let's change it. And it's I, just like, and then, it, and then it goes tits up or else they just go Zack Snyder. What do you want to do? And he goes, well, like, obviously, you know, Superman is renowned for being like the blue and red and American colors and, you know, even his his nickname and the in the JLA, if you by a few characters, big blue, awesome. So what do you want to do? I'm gonna bleach all the fucking color out of the film. There's going to be 17 million windows smashed, and that's kind of going to be the last 20 minutes. It's just going to be smashing windows, mm. um, because I once because fuck windows. Yeah, yeah, oh, of course, it's yeah. Because I once know some knew someone who was killed by windows, and um, so yeah, that's this is my and they go oh, oh okay that's fine, and it's because he ble- he bleached the color on his first few films. And then, like, I, I think it's almost it's stylized. Like, okay, it's yeah, but like, yes, the stylized doesn't mean good. Like, you know, on the, polka dots are stylized. Too, <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Yeah. On on the Suicide Squad one, it's the first movie I ever saw, which I knew it was a bad movie, but it didn't make me angry or sad or anything like that. It, I just, I, I went into like, um, detective CSI mode. I was like, I need to know why this is so bad. It's like coming across a body and going, I must investigate and. Started looking Why did you have it? to investigate? It's the point where the Joker shows up and you're going, oh, right. Well, I don't know if that's just because I no. know I know the Suicide Squad stories and stuff, and it's like... No, no, but like, investigate it. He's barely in it as well. It's mainly flashbacks. Yeah, that no, it's, it's, it's yeah. purely there because people have to understand, the Batman, yeah. Batman means Joker. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, like... It's like this whole thing of like... It, if somebody turned to me and went like, you know, I, we, want, we want you to write the next Batman film, and I'd be like, great. I need you to sign a piece of paper right now to say I don't have to explain the origins of Batman. Because nobody yeah. should have to fucking They're, explain the origins I, of Batman right now. I have a long-running joke. I was like, I've seen Batman's parents die so many times at this point. I think I've seen Batman's parents word my own parents together. Oh, this, it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous, though. It's like, I, I don't need... Fine, Green Lantern, not everyone's going to know the origin. Fine, Aquaman, not everyone's going to know the backstory. Yeah. But Batman and Superman, I really don't need to know how they got Su- to where they Superman's are. Superman's name is his backstory. He's a Superman. Yeah, it's Spider-Man too. That's one that's been done countless times as well. Mm, yeah, it? it's just they just don't want to drop the license. It's like uh, they're basically oh, playing a game of. It's like they, they they have a you know when you were like five years old and you and trying to keep a balloon. From yeah, exactly. Around. That's exactly <laughs> it. You got to keep the balloon up in the air, like because if it, if it lands, then Marvel come along and go, no, our balloon, and just walk <laughs> off with it. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you said there's so many different types when it comes to video games because we had this discussion earlier where you have your cinematic trailers, then your in-game footage, but then yeah. you have the in-engine footage. Yeah. So and you're the, not entirely the, sure. Yeah. And the lines blur between all those. I exactly. Was, I was yeah. saying the first time I saw, I was sitting in a pub, which was really weird, and I saw um, a trailer come on for Vice City, and it was in-game footage in the corner, and I was looking at it because I played San Andreas and I played GTA 3, and it was blaring welcome to the jungle or something and I was just watching it like helicopters flying guys walking in the street but no attempt like it was 100% in-game footage it wasn't the best graphics in the world I was just staring at going that is 100% in-game footage and I have I swear I've been to all those places like in different GTAs this is 100% the game and I was looking at it going yeah I better pick that up the one one for me though like there's kind of like 
I have a few just noted here because it's like the different examples of each. So the one for with the has gameplay, um, I think we were looking at this the other week was the the launch trailer for Dark Souls Three. Mm. Now I played. I was I can't. I, I, I in my head it's always Dark Souls one, but it could have been Demon Souls where I was I first tried to get into the series, because I'd been a fan of From Software from their previous game series when they did the likes of um, Armor Core and stuff like that. And I was just oh, like, no, you know, I was like, great games, and I was like, let's try this, and it's like, and obviously someone said, no, it's really hard. You got to be wearing like, all right, well that's fine. Like I, you know, I love stuff like Ninja Gaiden and all that. Like let's yeah, yeah, try. Yeah. And I got killed by something very early on that I had no way of knowing was coming. Hmm. And that pissed me off because I was like, you've just done that. And I've been running for 10 minutes to get to this point and you've just done that. And that's just kind of, you're just kind of lengthening the game. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this. I don't have time for this. I have so many other games to play. And I just kind of dismissed it. <laughs> Another day you turn the computer around and just folding your arms and putting on like the same episode of Buffy again. You're like, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm, I'm a busy man. Well, no, it's like, you know, everyone's Steam library has more games in it uncomplete. Yes, absolutely. So it was the whole thing like, I could be playing something else and not being arbitrarily killed because the, the game designer wanted to make the thing 10 minutes longer. So, and I just kind of was like, I didn't have time for it. Whatever mood I was in, I was like, no, fuck this. <laughs> and then, like, Dark Souls 1 came around and everyone was like, it's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And then, like, <laughs> and, then, and then number two. No, you're were, stupid. Like, yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> and then number two came out and everyone was like, oh, it's not as good as the first one. I was like, ha. And they're like, what? And then I was like, I, I don't know, just ha. <laughs> but then I saw the number three was coming up and everyone was going on about it and I was getting huge reviews and I was like, oh, probably should go back and just give it another chance mm, I don't know I'll, I'll give it a look and I watched the trailer with, um, which is the the launch trailer which is Ash Seek of Embers and the only bits that aren't pretty much in game footage were um, there's a couple of bits with, with text yeah and it's done and it's like it, it burns and then it like the ashes uh, blow away and I was kind of like okay and, I'm, and I watched it and it uses and there's a song in it and I was like that song is amazing and, and this trailer is amazing holy fuck Mm, and, I look up, really and I look up the song and I'm like it's Hosier oh, but I've yeah. listened to that album and it's not that it's kind of alright but it's not amazing and then I was like oh it's only on the limited edition version of the album oh okay hmm <laughs> I don't know if that's actually made me more or less biased towards this trailer now, where, <laughs> where before I was like if it had been on the normal version of the album which I'd listened to and then watched it I'm like oh they used him but I was like mm. that actually works really well and I like the song more because of the context in the video yeah, yeah. and I was like and because the the song um has influences from the story of the start of Dante's Inferno and stuff mm. and the, the whole one man's descent into hell and I was like well that's kind of suitable for a Dark Souls thing I ended up picking up Dark Souls and I was like right fuck it I'll buy it bought it played through it loved it I've gone back and played the others since and mm. I was like and now that I've actually like okay I, I was more in the headspace for them I know I have to be in a very specific mood to play those games I have to be like sure like I'm feeling kind of masochistic today like, like power bottom masochism yeah yeah, yeah. so um <laughs> But and then the, the other type then is the ones where you don't have, um, it's that that the 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 series is so big you know what it is. Mm. We don't need to show you anything. Yeah. Now, there is the there is some that like the ones that still use, um, anime like uh, they use in 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 engine footage as you say, and mm. um, would be like the Gears of War ones. Now, obviously, there was the first one. He showed a bit of combat. He showed him fighting a corpser and some mm. and some grunts and stuff like that. But the one that got me was that for Gears of War 2, there was two of them. There was one which was Last Day, 
which mm. is a song called How It Ends by uh, the Vodka, and it was the it's them sitting in a field, waiting to go into battle. So it's like the calm before the storm. Okay. And you have um, like Dom sitting there looking at a picture of him and his wife, and even the, the, there's a bit where it's um, Coltrane is looking at a flare through a sniper rifle scope. <laughs> and he's, and they're all just kind of relaxed and the music again is relaxed and and it, and it works because obviously the, the, the design principle behind all like the visual design principle behind all of the Gears of War thing has been destroyed beauty mm. and it's even that whole thing of like there's nothing destroyed in that picture but it's him even like the fact that he's looking at he's admiring this flare through a sniper rifle yeah. scope I was like that's nice and then there was another trailer that came out alongside it um, which is called Rendezvous with Death mm. and there's no there's no real music and there's a drum track that builds behind it but it's actually a recording um as far as you know of the poet himself alan seeger who fought in world war one mm. um and it's the the poem is i have a rendezvous with death um at some disputed barricade and all this mm. and it's and the the trailer has combat in it but it's not in-game footage mm. um and, and just how that worked the trailer and like it was just the drum track starts off really muffled and it's really quick paced and it builds up and builds up and builds up yeah and then it stops very definitively and as the the drums stop the it, it basically ends with um marcus phoenix charging into battle uh, using a uh a locust as a meat shield and as it <laughs> and, and guys start firing at him and as the the drums stop like there's a bit of kind of dum dum at the end and the camera just stops and cuts down as mm. if like you don't know what happens we're not mm. going to tell you and the other one then just for like when it doesn't use in engine footage or anything like that in Halo, the Halo 3 belief campaign yeah so by Halo 3 everyone knew what Halo was yeah by Halo true. 3 my dad was playing Halo yeah so it was you know they, everyone everybody knew what it was <laughs> everyone was aware of it and they my, did they did a series for the belief campaign which was just on that real quick, my friend's dad used to play Goldeneye as stress relief. He was a very stressed man. He was on so many different um, uh, medications for blood uh, pressure okay. and stuff. And we used to go over to his house and he go, hmm. And he used to make mechano, he used to make jigsaws, he used to try to do anything to, to get his mind off it. And sometimes he just go, actually, I'll stick, I'll stick on the shooty game. And he'd sit and he'd play the train level of Goldeneye over oh, and over wow. and over again. Classic. And as the guys popped out, it was like a little shooting gallery for him because he'd already have the the, the crosshair exactly where the dude's head needed to be <laughs> yeah. and he'd pop him and I could see him just walk through that level without like without taking his finger off move forward he'd just like da -da 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 -da. and he'd play it three times in a row and go I feel much better now <laughs> go back to his everyday this life this is the type of guy who like you know he's, he's making a sandwich he's slicing it slicing a tomato and it just feels very therapeutic um, you can already suturing it back together yeah <laughs> just, I want to cut it again <laughs> the, but the, the Halo 3 Believe campaign like which is to, yes, that's another one. To that me, that. is the greatest trailer for the worst game. Yeah, that's that's so see, which that, makes that's, the trailer even better. That, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing about Dead Island is Dead Island does the job, does the job of selling you the game so yeah. well, yeah. but then didn't release the game. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Well, if, if we're doing trailers, it is the best trailer I've ever seen. It's the one that I saw and was got like really excited because it is. A, it starts with a girl lying on her side in the grass ostensibly sleeping very like 
Um, again, starting with a child in a in a field seems to be a good way to say we're human. <laughs> we're human. <laughs> this is about humanity. I like the, I like the gears approach. You know, for gears two, was to start with what is essentially a giant slab of meat in a field <laughs> because that's all they have. There's no, there's nothing else in those things. It's like you know, it's oh yeah, what, what does your game look yeah. like? Well, we've these guys who are basic, fundamentally like six foot wide, yes, and five and a half foot tall, um, <laughs> and it's like okay, it's like yeah, our art designer had a stroke. Sure, go with it, go with it. It's unique. It's stylish. And yeah. what do your bad guys look like? Uh, they kind of look like you know uh, a Cenobite meets Rocky Dennis from Mask. <laughs> sure, cool. Let's go with that. Like it, it's yeah. The kids stuck oatmeal to a He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, in the in the Dead Island one, it starts with the, the the kid lying dead. I don't know if it's in a field or on a bed. I don't know if she falls out the window. And then yeah, it's it, grass. It all goes slow motion backwards, and it is this. Again, it's a better short movie. The the whole series is, has a better short movie than it does any game. Mm. But um, it's her very slowly coming back and bits of glass start reforming and comes up and she's had spawned out a window but like the window reforms and she comes back and she's on someone's shoulder and then you see a guy with an axe and a girl in a bikini with blood dripping from her face and it's all moving backwards and you're... Well, meet- I thought half of it was... Is it not like... Is it not... Does it not end at the midpoint? Does it not intercut between yes. the start of the trailer so and the end of the trailer? And then it's events moving forward and events moving backwards and events moving forward and the point of the guy picking up the little girl is where they meet. Yeah. The point of her getting to the door. Uh, and it's this really, really poignant thing where you're so invested and you're seeing both the aftermath and the lead up to it. And you don't need to explain zombies. Everyone knows what zombies are. Yeah. You don't need to explain what's going on. The, the background is in this beautiful resort. You're in paradise. Zombies have... Uh, have taken like attacked it's very poignant but driving music and you're just watching it going this is amazing like clearly this is going to be story driven clearly this is going to be <laughs> clearly this is going to be about the human aspects <laughs> clearly this is going to be like there, and there are some games that surprise you but I, there are bits in Red Dead Redemption that I really felt like well this is some of the best storytelling this is some of the best yeah. um, human drama this is some of that like even the, the, the some of the song choices I'm like this is really yeah. emotional so it can be done and I was like, if they're using zombies as the setting, it's not something I've seen before. And the game was just fucking shite. Well, now, it was terrible. Here's the thing. Is the game shite, or does the game seem shite because the, fi- because the trailer no, made so it seem good. so amazing? No, it was shite. It was, <laughs> no, it like, was. If, that, if that game had come out and you hadn't heard about it beforehand, you hadn't seen that trailer, and someone turned to you and went, it's been a game the other day called Dead Island. It's not actually that bad. Yeah. And you went and played it. Would you have been like... If the game was called Zombies in Paradise, and the... <laughs> The, the, the trailer was like uh, about like a TV show from the 90s about like you know um, in a world where zombies are just a, <laughs> are just a quick shamble away uh, these merrymakers had to fight if there was that I'd be like yeah, I'll play that game that seems like a thing I guess but, at the end of the day the advertising department did their job oh yeah people bought maybe the game. want to buy the game yeah, I bought but, it but, the, but it, that's what I'm wondering like did that Okay, so say that game got a review of, a Metacritic review of 70. I don't know what it is, just off the top of my head. If it pulled a number out of Maris, it got a review of 70. It would it actually have gotten a review of 80? Absolutely. If, if, if the if, trailer had... If the original trailer was gameplay of you running through baseball bat and zombies in the head with Andrew WK's party hard playing in the background. <laughs> which would have suited the game yeah, more. Yeah. Like, would suddenly people have been going, you know what, it's really fun, doesn't take itself too seriously, seems kind yeah. of a laugh. 
Grant. Yes. Very good point, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the doing your job and then doing your job for a different game that you never yeah. actually made is kind of... So, <laughs> I No, every so often, I, it's one of the ones I go back and watch that trailer every so often. I go, remember how good that trailer was? Watch it and go, I can't... But in my head, I still go, I can't wait for that game to come out. That, that's the thing. I, like, I, I was, when I was looking at my list today, I was like, no, there's no point in Dead Island. Someone else will mention it. Or if yeah, not, yeah. it'll be the one of like, and at least they didn't do a Dead Island. Like, so... <laughs> <laughs> Mm. On your on your point there of those little fifteen second spots and even shorter ten second spots, um, I love watching the American Horror Story ones. Yeah. And they, there's there's entire YouTube ones of like you can do the entire seasons of them, and they'll do thirty. They'll do loads and loads of little short ones, and it'll be a nun drenched in white standing in a room while a gimp stands on a wall so that they're at perpendicular angles like an Esker painting, and then he opens his mouth and white fabric comes out, and then it just comes up AHS. And you just watch it and go, brilliant! What? <laughs> what? What? See, I'd see that and I'd just be going, is this a perfume? Because per- <laughs> perfume ads are always fucking ridiculous. It's well, like, you, like you're trying to convey something like that you have to smell with it through a medium that has no, <laughs> no, in no way interacts yeah. with your sense of smell. So I'm like, yeah, no idea what's going on here. Like, so. But, uh, no, the, for, for the Asylum series or for the Freak Show series, they did a brilliant, brilliant stuff, even for the Coven series. And, um, but there'll be ones, so I'll watch them now and it'll be like, Weird sounds, really, really annoying. If you're just finished watching an episode of Friends and you're going to watch an episode of Cheers and then you see a woman's mouth open, a centipede crawl out and crawl into another woman's mouth and then it cuts back to Cheers, you must think you're going insane. Yeah, it's a schizophrenic episode. <laughs> because you're like, what just happened there? <laughs> Mom, the TV's gaslighting me again. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're starting a new series now. I'll probably watch it. The last series wasn't the best, but I'll, I'll probably stick it on. But like, I'm watching it for clues. I'm watching the 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 thing to try to figure out what could possibly happen and like what they could possibly show me next, <laughs> um, which kind of leads into the next one. So again, TV shows aren't ones that would traditionally have trailers. So I'm kind of this is more of a a, a promotional campaign for something, but I really really like the TV show Fringe, which was out in two thousand eight. Uh, it was a JJ Abrams and Fox show. Joshua oh, well, Jackson wasn't it? Yeah, right? and it kind of followed on a little bit from X Files and. Lost and a little bit of Twin Peaks and yeah, for some it scratched that uh, X Files itch though, didn't yeah. it? The whole Mulder and Scully yeah, kind of definitely did. Yeah. There was an X Files dynamic. It, it is. It's got one of my favorite openings as well, where the girl's lying in bed with like this other dude and they're clean cut FBI agents, and she, just as she gets out of bed, she goes, "You know, I really love you." And I was like, "He's dead. He's absolutely dead. <laughs> he, he dies. Absolutely, he dies." It's like that. I've seen her in the promo campaigns. I've never seen him. <laughs> that fucker's dead. <laughs> but uh, for the for their advertising, they started doing radio spots uh, for Massive Dynamic, which is the company in the TV show that is the stand-in for GE. Yeah. Um, and they were doing like spots for cars, and then spots for like these new medical procedures that can make you eight feet tall and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And just making these claims were fucking ridiculous. But over them was like this whispering voice to go to imaginethepossibilities.com. <laughs> and all this weird stuff and it again it was an ARG it was an alternate reality game that they started doing and they've been they've done them for, for Halo and they've done them for Dark Knight and it's to drive people to a certain website and I think that it was a very clever way of doing it because there's if you've got something that's niche that's sci-fi thriller mystery show you can sell that to people and it sounds fun but a certain kind of people will just go hell for leather for it they would absolutely love it and then word of mouth will spread yeah. and everyone's like ooh are you watching this it's brilliant uh, so I do love that that they were driving people to this website that then there were all these case files that you could find yeah. and see crop circles and sheep acting weird and none of it made a lick of sense 
but for a particular kind of person, again, it scratches that itch, and they they just exactly, started yeah. kind of going, "What could it mean?" And it ended with a big event in New York City where there was a big. They sold it as a scavenger hunt, but this was just the the fine the finale of the AORG, where a lot of people just figured out the clues, figured out the coordinates they were supposed to go to, and they met on Times Square. And this massive dynamic company had a little stall set up, and everyone's like, "Hello," and it's like, "Hello, are you here for? Are you here to, you know?" Uh, possibly be an agent and they're like yes so they give you a little pack and it was you know a map of New York a bottle of water in case you got thirsty you're gonna be doing some walking and like all these bits and pieces and you started doing it and then like people were online chatting and somebody eventually realized that if you read the ingredients on the bottle of water it had far more ingredients than you would expect oh, in water okay. and after a, after a little while going down through them it started giving you the clues and you realized that the map you've been given wasn't what you were supposed to be doing. You were supposed to be following the label yeah. on the bottle of water. And then you were like on the, on the roof of some building and the, something else. And you went to another place where there was just a cow in the middle of the city with irregular patterns on it. And it was a QR code on a live cow and all these crazy things. And eventually you ended up on a rooftop somewhere watching the first episode, the pilot episode. Oh, yeah, that's actually very good. And they gave out lots of goodie bags and lots yeah. of swag and stuff. And to me, that like the, the idea cool. that you start with little radio spots and end with that, and you're like, yeah, get out there and yeah. tell people. And he's like, you'll never believe what happened. I don't believe you. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. Uh, episode two. Intros. Intros. I think, yeah, it's, it's just the way Pixar do things, though. Yeah. It's like, let's, you know, whatever, you got the best idea in the world, we'll still find a way to improve it. Yeah. True. It's kind of annoying. Hmm. Bunch of pricks. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing me beautiful art and all of my face. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, we go up there, and, but he, we'd hit up one of the shops beforehand and get like the, one of the few shops still left that did like quarters of sweets. Mm. And you get a few quarters of sweets and you go in and you literally spend the day just watching all the horror films, like like classics like Exorcist three mm. and, and all these type of films. And we'd always have one or two new ones and one or two horrendously bad ones just to watch for a laugh. <laughs> but this particular year, we were like. We go. We actually see if there's anything up in the cinema before we yeah, go. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's check. And we look. We went to good old Teletext. If you remember that. Jesus. We to, yeah, I know. So long ago. I said old I am, but yeah, we look up Teletext for uh, Cineworld up on Parnell Street, which is down the road from where he was living, and we see there's a film adaptation of House of the Dead. Oh, I was really worried you were going to say Cabin in the Woods as a no, bad film. No, no, <laughs> really no, no. There for a second. Okay. No. So God, this is the U Bowl. No, that was the thing. Uwe Ball's first film. Yeah. And we were like, how's it that? Let's look this up in the internet. So we've had the laptop and we're like, yeah, some guy called Uwe Ball. Never heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, he's become like the, the, the warning flag of this is going to be an awful fucking film. Yep. We're like, ah, fuck it, we'll go and see it. And it's got, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's one of the Howard brothers. His brothers. So, director of Apollo 13. Ron Howard. His brother. Right. The, who was in like the original Star Trek he's a little small guy and um, see he's in it and we were like oh Sutton's in it Jurgen Prochnow's in it and we were like Jurgen Prochnow ah great yep. and we go and see it and we, the four of us go up uh, like four or five of us go up and we sit down to watch it we're like fuck it we'll see how it's like from the first ten minutes of it I thought it was meant to be a comedy mm. really because the dialogue had us laughing out loud and there's <laughs> a bit where they're on a boat going out to an island where there's basically there's a rave on an island where this house <laughs> of the dead thing's going to happen and they're on the boat on the way out. And Jurgen Prock now is the, the pilot of the boat. And I was like, oh, it's a nice little nod because he was in like Das Boot and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Grand. And there's a sticker on the wall of the cabin that says, beatings will, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. And I'm like, yep. 
This is very much a, like a comedy film. I like that because it's a computer game adaptation and okay, yeah, like you know, it's a computer adaptation of basically an on rail shooter. It's yeah. not gonna be something it's not gonna, you know, be Oscar material, but if they're doing a comedy version it could be quite funny. Mm. And then about ten minutes in I realised this isn't meant to be a comedy, it's accidentally a comedy. <laughs> just because of how fucking awful it is. It is bad in a way that's confusing. Yes. I was what I I saw that sitting at home with people and we knew it was bad. We knew it was famously bad. And we were still watching it. When things were happening, we were pausing it and looking at each other going, what the fuck did he even try to do there? <laughs> yes. And, I, and and like, I, I remember it because it was, Halloween had fallen on the weekend that year. It was like a Saturday or something. And we went up to an early showing. It was about 10 to 1 or something. Mm. And when we went in, there was about 50, 60 people in the, in the cinema. And by the end of the film, there was maybe 14 people left <laughs> in the cinema. Oh, Jesus. Just, the majority of people just got up and left. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, need, it needs a mention because that opening sold it as a comedy. Because we went in knowing nothing. Hmm. No, we, like, as his first film, we had no idea how bad Uwe Ball was as a director. We had no idea how bad his films were going to be. And we didn't know if this was comedy or not. We just saw the name and went, that's based on a, on a zombie game. Yeah. Could be interesting. Mm. I, I was listening to a podcast that have a fantastic... It's not even a conspiracy theory. It's just a theory about Uwe Boll. That he is... The way he works is he... It's like the producers. He gets a certain amount of money to make a movie. Yeah. And somebody who has 20 million but is going to lose 5 million to taxes, give him the 20... Maybe not 20. Give him the 20 million, let's use an example. He puts it into a movie. Um, and then they get like... It doesn't do anything. It gets about twenty million back, but they can take all that as profit. They don't lose their five million. So there is some theory about how he is doing this. That he, but like buying a video game IP is a really cheap way of getting just some people to get it. Like some people yeah. come along. Uh, and I've I've watched House of the Dead. I've watched some of the Blood Rains. I've watched um, just some of his other movies. Name of the King. Alone in the Dark. Alone in the Dark. And then I watched Postal, <laughs> which is good. It's fucking surprisingly good. And every time I keep, he does a joke, I'm like, that's a really dangerous joke. That's a really sketchy joke. But it landed really well. Like, that's good South Park style humour. But I keep thinking he must have done that by accident. And <laughs> each joke that lands, I'm looking at it going, oh my well, God. The, the broken clock is right, yeah. right twice a day. Like, and he so. does about, like, he does enough jokes in it that land. And I'm like, is this guy funny? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> 2013 it was released yeah, on it was, it was Tomb Raider it was a Microsoft exclusive on Xbox and that yeah. in 2013 and it was rebooted in 2014 um, and it's all about how Lara Croft becomes the tough no nonsense it's about her rise if you will yes I don't know if that's useful um, <laughs> so what at the start there's they're on a boat they're trying to find this island um, they find the island Storm blows the ship onto the, the coast the, the ship starts to sink and um, she gets separated from her friends now in the first five minutes of playing this game you smash your head off about six objects it just seems to be the thing it's it's it's, it's how she navigates the world yeah. like you know so i don't know if she's blind some blind people it's not they like use... echolocation for yeah her. yeah she's... kind of yeah it's like you know bang a, bang the eye of uh, bang a nearby surface and listen to the echo and she just smacks it with her head um but there's a part in it where she falls down a mine shaft in the very first like five mm. ten minutes and she gets impaled uh, on her lower left abdomen. And she's limping because of it, she's bleeding. And then shortly afterwards, you get to your, your first campfire and she pulls it out and there's a big scene, you know, and she's like, mm. and she bandages herself up. 
And then through the magical healing powers of the fire, she's fine after that. It's never noticed again in the rest of the game, okay? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen her in a belly top since then. It's just disappeared, right? So the she's got the thinnest bandage ever underneath her tank top. Um, but I heard a theory that when she falls down the mine shaft before mm. she impales herself, she actually dies mm. at the bottom of that mine shaft. And the rest of the game with her becoming an absolute badass and there being like a magical angry god on the island and her like suddenly becoming like basically running around for 20 hours being able to climb and shoot and swing her way without feeling tired or hurting herself and falling through many a trap and banging her head off many more things mm. without dying was all her brain misfiring as her, as her body runs out of oxygen as she lies dying on the bottom of a mine shaft. Yep. Now it's a pretty fucked up idea but at the same time, the game makes a lot more sense all of a sudden. Once it's gets that, it's like, it's kind of like your life flashes before your eyes, but her life was pretty boring. So it's more like, this is how I want it to be. Yeah. And it's like, she just, you know, so the whole kind of there being a god and, and obviously, you know, it's like the this weird mystical entity that she's trying to deal with. And, you know, and it's it's that entity's fault that she's on the island and mm. she crashed. Could almost, you know, the thoughts of a dying person. It just really makes me think of that film, The, the Escapist. Yeah, with Brian Cox in that, where it's mm. actually most of it is actually just his brain, yeah, misfiring and and all the rest, and but yeah, the, so the, like I just think that like as an intro, when you when I go back and like I see that intro, suddenly it all makes sense because it's almost as a moment where it's not just and that's the lethal head, yes. that's the lethal head wound, <laughs> and from now on it's all a hallucination. We're totally fine, and it actually makes sense. I didn't notice anything about the start. I played through the entire game, but I bought the special edition that came with the, um, the making of, okay. right? and I watched it afterwards. And it's one of my favorite games. It was one of the ones that I think is the most powerful game of all time. It told a story you shouldn't be able to tell with video games, but it managed to do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the intro sequence in that, they make you walk down a, a path into the town, and it's about seven minutes long. Like it's a really long distance to walk. There's things to look at, but nothing happens. Yeah. And you just walk until you get to the town. And the guys were saying that they did that on purpose because they really wanted to give you the feeling that you couldn't turn back. That no matter, yeah. like, you were playing this game, you were invested, that if you if something bad happens and you want to run away, there's no turning back. You just walked for seven minutes. You are isolated. There is nothing. Yeah. Like, it's not like you can just, like, oh, well, I'm only, like, two minutes from the motorway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've, you've already invested a lot of your time in this, and when something bad happens, you're like, i got to keep moving forward. I've already come this far. And that, that's the, the contrast. There's one where you're right in the middle of the action, and the other is the slow build-up. Mm. I wonder with the, with the Silent Hill thing, though. Like, I mean, I think that's part of why Silent Hill 2 works so well at the start is because it's about 20 minutes before you see anything. Yeah. And you had that in the first one as well, but the first one it kicks off a little bit faster. Yeah, you see like a motorbike crash. You're, you're, there's an implied motorcycle crash and there's a kid on the road. And stuff. Yeah, but your first transition, the first siren, which to this day, that's like Pavlov's Bell. That still yeah. creeps yeah. me the fuck out. But, All that fucking klaxon. Um... Like that, that has the the, the um the with the with the second one that has the the thing of, it's lulling you into a, a false sense of security almost because, I think you're expecting it. They have to change something up. Yes. Like they did it with Resident Evil Two. Resident Evil Two. I remember like I played Resident Evil One, like you know late at night, the lights off, which is the worst idea. No, definitely. Jesus. Yeah, like particularly I think it was like fourteen. I'm like, play this. And <laughs> I played through. Great, but I I I, I but I knew. When I see a typewriter, I'm safe. Yes. Typewriter equals safe. Yeah. 
Resident Evil 2 comes along I start playing it I'm playing through I get to the police station I get into the, the typewriter room at the police station and finally my asshole unpuckers and I'm like okay I'm, I'm safe and I go to go out the other door in that room and as I move around the corner it's still in the room with the typewriter a liquor runs across the window yes and I had to put the controller down and leave the room for about 10 minutes I was just like, like I wasn't ready to, for that because up until that point your, it was like I, yeah, yeah, the sun rises saying, yeah. in the east sets in the west water is wet and a typewriter means safety. And yeah. it just they just changed that, and I'm like, no, I can't handle that yeah. right now. I I know people who swear they never played video games. No, I never really got into it. And I said, oh, remember that? Are we watching a Resident Evil movie? Like, Those fucking liquors. Yeah, like, you have played them. It's like I thought I I thought I blocked it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those. Uh, it's an enduring image. And then when you actually see the liquor for the first time, when you go through that door and you go around the corner in the corridor, and the thing's sitting on the ceiling, and you're like. Oh, this is going to be a thing. Because yeah. again, in the previous one, you were never worried about what was above you. Yeah. <laughs> was there was like, no above you. Yeah, that's the thing. You had like, tank controls. Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, it, it made things interesting. Yeah. Like, And then again, it's like, they, they did it again. That's one thing I like about Resident Evil is that they managed to reinvent it a few times. Mm-hmm. You go to Resident Evil 4, and it's like, okay, so now we're, we're, we're in somewhere in Europe. Somewhere and, in Europe. Yeah, yeah. And you're moving along and you're like, okay, so these people are going to be zombies and so what the fuck did just come out of his head? <laughs> and it's again, you're like, holy shit, that's like a 10 foot reach. It's like you're used to like, I'm miles away from this guy. And look at him, look at all this ammo it's given me. Ha ha, this will be easy. And you pop someone's head and a thing grows out and you're like, well, that's meant to kill you. <laughs> again, you've, you've you, changed the rules. All you ever teach me, you shoot them in the head. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's where the monsters live. That, that was one thing I really liked with Dead Space as well. I love the Dead Space series for that whole thing of, Computer games up until that point have train, trained us, particularly first-person shooters, third-person shooters have trained us, aim for the head. Yes. And the whole point of Dead Space is do not aim for the fucking head. Mm. Like, take the limbs out. It'll kill you. It'll save you so much ammo. So we worked out... It was, we did a playthrough um, when it first came out. Me and my friends were sitting there. After we played through and actually in, in experienced it as a single-player event, we played through it and we went, right, what if you only go for headshots? Just to see if you can like take them by headshots, and you start running out of ammo very fucking quickly. If you only go for the, the limbs and take the limbs out, and it even says the first time you find the gun, it says it's written on the wall in blood, shoot off their limbs. Yep. And we were like, okay, and we went, and when you go for the limbs, you you're never at risk of running out of ammo. Mm-hmm. It's it's only when you panic and you revert to the primal gamer instinct <laughs> yeah, yeah. of center mass, go for the head. You just that's when you're like, oh, you're fucked now. Yeah. It's if you lose control, that's when you die. If you if you maintain your composure and go, no, I'm gonna take his legs out first to slow him down. I'm gonna take his arms. It's still a tense game, mm. but you it's perfectly survivable, <laughs> which is just a great bit of design work. So, mm. like, don't be afraid to, to you know, take a, a mechanic or an aspect and go, yes, this works well. We don't need to fix this. Yeah. Mm. I don't like that approach that like Bethesda seem to have of, but everything has to be ours. Or everything has to be the way we do it. It's like, well, no, not everything does have to be like that. Yeah. You know, the, it's the same with like, uh, like the crafting in Skyrim. It's like, well, how do I know how this works? Well, eat it. What do you mean, fucking eat it? <laughs> that that was incredible. The first, the cause Skyrim was great, and the first time I picked up a butterfly, I went to use it, and he, it goes, "You ate it." And I was just sitting there going, "This is a different game than I thought it was." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gained health. That's fairly straightforward. <laughs> exactly. You cured your vampirism. I had a va- what? I had vampirism for, for when? I think the the opening of TV series, and in fact the the pilot episodes of TV series, the ones that really jump out at me are the ones that have the mystery box. 
the one that J.J. Abrams has done a whole um, TED talk about this idea of the mystery box of setting up something that you know grabs people and you know you if David Lynch calls it the golden goose the, the question the central question that needs to be answered and you set that up in the pilot and then arguably never reveal it never explain it so that to me is something that just hugely appeals to me um, but the one that I think encapsulates that well it doesn't it has the right amount of mystery to it is the opening the first episode of Battlestar Galactica the 2004 series this is I really loved that as they were doing it they'd set up these rules and I'm like I'm so invested I know the rules off by heart and then they just break them a couple episodes later and like okay I was so I was so fine with it I was like we can't tell that they're human or we can't tell that they're not human I was like didn't her spine glow when she has sex just have sex with everyone (laughs) (laughs) just you know uh, uh, engage in a relationship Uh, you know and it's like uh, I I think it's time we do reverse cowgirl I can't I'm sorry it won't work that's all I love you're obviously a fucking Cylon and actually yeah the the, the whole thing over the course of the series uh, it's revealed that so many of them are I was a Cylon and I didn't know and it's like and you're fell I never noticed. I mean, what's going on here? Like, he was he was busy, all right. He was. He preferred. He likes it blindfolded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, fair enough. Um, so Fringe will be my main one, um, mm. partially because so I had heard a lot about Fringe, and I was the most skeptical person on the planet mm. going into watching that. I am a colossal X Files fan. Yep. Um. So it was like, it's a new X-Files. And straight away, I'm like, no, it fucking is. How dare you? Yeah, yeah, How yeah, dare yeah. you sit where he sat? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm like, you can never replace him. Um, and then uh, and then it was like, oh, and it's uh, the guys who made Lost. And I was like, that's not a positive. If you already have one middle finger up and a second middle oh, finger starts going at, up. At this point, I'm like punching walls. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And then they're like, you know, and it's got Pacey from yeah, I'm like, oh. you fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> So I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, and I heard, no, it's really good. Watch it. Yeah. Now, I watched the first episode and I was like, I was sitting there and I, like, but if I'm honest with myself and when I rewatch the series, because I've rewatched it twice now, when I rewatch the series from like two or three minutes in, I'm like, oh, now I remember why this is a really good show. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the first time I watched it, I was like, no, I still don't like this. Like even half an hour in when I'm like, this is really good. I'm like, no, it's shit, it's still shit. But I'll watch it till the end anyway. <laughs> I, I was the most begrudging bastard on the planet watching that, that thing. And it, it was... It, it, part of it is because... So... For me, the, the defining features of the X-Files has always been... The female sceptic. Mm-hmm. The, the male cynic, but who's actually like Dreamer, a believer. Kinda, yeah. No, a believer, but has... What, what I now realise to be like the, the entire foundation for my sense of humour. Because I'm only... I'm watching through the X-Files now... Mm. And I have to say, even though I was a huge fan of the X-Files growing up, and I religiously watched it, it was the first TV series that I ever went, I need to set an alarm to make sure I don't miss this. Yeah. I can't go to whatever because the X-Files is on. Yeah. Um, it was the first TV series that ever did that for me. I never watched them a second time. Because mm. in a way, I was kind of afraid of, like, is this just nostalgia? Yeah. Will watching it a second time make it shit? Yeah. And I as I fuck it, bought the bullet, bit the bullet, I should say, and I started watching them again a few weeks back, and they are as good as I remember. Yeah. And I'm grand, but now when I there's so many jokes and so many sarky one-liners from Fox Mulder that I never <laughs> that I don't don't remember because it's the episodes, the scary parts, it's the it's the exciting parts that jump out to me, but it's actually his sense of humor. I'm like, oh, that explains so much about me, <laughs> like uh, and where I got all that from. Yeah. Yeah. His whole character is supposed to be that he's been researching this stuff for years and years and years, 
and the sense of humor works so well with that character. Yeah. And there's a bit where it was it wasn't in the first season, it was in the later season, where they open an attic to to go up there to investigate something and a dead body falls out, but it's so heavily decomposed it's nearly grey. This horrible mass slumps out, clearly a body. And he just they both stand there for a minute and Mulder just goes do you think the fall killed him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, even, but it's even like the, it's the, the, there's there was a couple of lines in it that I'm noticing that I, I think were improv. Yeah. And because David Covey and Gillian Anderson have worked had worked so long together at that point that it was just fine. There's one episode called Detour, where it's not even a, they stumble across an X file. They're driving to an event. Right. Right. With another set of agents, <laughs> and it's another it's a, another male and female couple uh, set of agents. And they're really cheerful. And they're going to a team building exercise, and it's like you know they're, uh, um, the the it's it, Mulder's in the back seat, and every time they're like you know, oh, did, uh, have you ever been to one of these? Like we go every year, and he's like, no, strangely enough, I come down with a very bad case of diarrhea this time every year usually, <laughs> and then you're just kind of like, all right, and and you can even see like Gillian Anderson's like trying not to laugh, you know, because her character <laughs> she's meant to kind of scowl at him, but she's trying not to laugh, and then like they they stumble across the next one, and there's a bit where he's injured. Right, and they're like against a log, and for body heat, she like she starts pulling them over, and he's just like, and it's just kind of half ass like, oh, I don't want to wrestle, and it's just <laughs> and like, that's amazing delivery, like oh, you know, he doesn't try and like deli- drive the joke home. It's just you're kind of no, I don't want to wrestle, and it's it's so well done, and I'm like, you know, that explained a lot of my humor. So I was like going into fringe, I'm like, it's got to have that sarky sense of humor. It's yeah. got to have the sense of humor where it's just out of nowhere. And they introduce, Walter. they they, no, they introduce um, Olivia uh, yes. Dunn first. Yes. All right, fine. It, go for her first kill. And same thing happened with the X Files. The X Files opens with Scully being uh, being uh, brought into the assistant director's office. Like, so yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. This is fine. And I'm like, yeah, we're following the same thing. And it's it's very much a homage to that first episode in a way. And I'm like, great. And then they bring in Josh Jackson's character. And I'm like, okay, right. And Peter Bishop were fine. And again, I have this holdover from fucking... Every time I see him, all I hear is, I don't want to wait. Just in my head. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, and I'm like, all right, fine. Right, we'll see how this goes. And I'm like, okay, this is fine. And then John Noble as, as Walter Bishop yeah. is a fucking masterpiece of, mm. of acting. Absolutely. And I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, Denethor? <laughs> and then uh, there's a bit in the, I think it's in the first episode or the second one um, because they did a marathon to catch up I've, when I first watched it it had already been on for like two or three weeks on mm. Sky and then TV3 got the, the, the rights to show it as well mm, yeah. but part of their deal was they weren't allowed to get ahead of yeah. Sky yeah. So what they did was they started like oh, you have to start a month behind and you're not allowed to uh, get ahead of them and they're like alright fine so they did an opening night marathon of four episodes and caught up <laughs> and then they were just the next day yeah. um, so if you didn't want to watch it on the Friday you watched it on the Saturday or, whatever. or no if you didn't watch it on the, on the Friday you watched it on the Sunday they were two yeah. days after yeah. and I was like so I watched the marathon and it gets to the bit and it's like a second episode I think it is and they're driving along in the car and Walter's like they're saying real deep in thought and you know talk discussion and Walter's like oh and they're like what's wrong and he goes I just pissed myself yeah. and he's like what the fuck is this like, and, and that made it it was his character and it, and and as it went on, it was just it was really well developed in that. But and like in the opening, his character, and then the fact that they just go balls to the wall with the with the the, the disturbing visuals. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Like the this translucent skin, the yeah. people yeah. melting on the plane, and I'm like, 
Cool. And it has Lance Reddick in it as well. Who oh, like Lance Reddick. Yeah, oh. like I'd seen him in Oz and he was fantastic in that and he shows <laughs> up and I'm like, Lance Reddick's in this. And that was like, a bit of time The Wire was pretty big as well, wasn't it? So... It's just after, for, yeah, yeah. yeah just so after for him. them, it was a pretty yeah. big, you know, kind of yeah, big, big get to get him. Mm. And I was, and I was like, yeah, okay, okay. And I, like I said, like I was all the way through, I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it. Zuder episode, great. I mean, shit. Okay, I guess I'll watch it. I only have about a hundred other channels. I suppose I can leave this on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was for me. It was an opener that like it, it had a lot, a lot to live up to for me. Mm. Yes, and yeah. it managed to do. It managed to hit all the right beats. And like you said, when it introduced your man, and it's like, and he's like, "I love you," and I'm like, "Oh, he's so dead. He's so <laughs> fucking dead. That guy is. Yeah. He, oh, he's either dead or deformed." Yes. By the, by the end of this episode, I was like, like, "He doesn't look like he's going to turn into the bad guy, so he's probably dead." Right? Yeah, yeah, it's one or the other. Like, and it turned out to be kind of a. Throw the water at the mic and leave. <laughs> I just go refill it every time. Yeah. I, every time I have a sip. What do you think, Kev? I can't believe your mic has stood up this long. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I can't yeah. believe you got flamingo glasses. Talk about trying to convince me to get flamingo fucking glasses for the house. I'm like, no, nobody gets flamingo glasses. Why would you do that? And I, I went. I'm to seeing them everywhere now. And everywhere. Then, and now we have the intro to the episode. I went to IKEA and I also like to suck cock sometimes, so I got <laughs> flamingo glasses. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that story. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you like that? Well, I think there, there's your intro. <laughs> there's your intro. <laughs> Fantastic. This episode, we're looking specifically at protagonist intros. Yes. Um, it is. We've found yet again that something that's very easy in movies and all right in video games is always very difficult in TV shows. They yeah. are very, very different. Yeah. Because you got to build your character. Or, like it's not like in a film where you've got. I have two hours to introduce a bunch of characters make you identify with at least one of them before putting them in danger or or breaking their heart or whatever the genre mm. of the film is and then yep you know wrap it all up whereas with a, a tv series like or a commission for how many episodes that's loads of time we can even end on a cliffhanger it'd be great my uh protagonist intro is arrested development and okay. it's michael because okay. i was trying to figure out i was like well what what is it where there's a character that stays absolutely true throughout an entire season? And the opening sequence uh, to Arrested Development, first of all, opens with voiceover, which I think is the cheapest way of uh, establishing a character. Yeah. But in as doing this as part of an extras, I've realized that every choice I've made uh, involves a voiceover, that there's something ridiculously... Shit, I've got a voiceover from movies yeah, as well. It's <laughs> so, it actually is, and every one of them tries to do it in a kind of a subversive way, but uh, the thing I loved about... Arrested Development, it is an ensemble cast, but in my opinion, Michael is 100% a protagonist because everyone is introduced in relation to Michael. Yeah. Literally in relation in that they are in relations of him. But literally, like, everything is, this is his brother, this is his... Every single other person uses him as a straight man. He is the ultimate straight man. Everyone bounces off him. Well, I was just going to say, like, everyone else is so wacky in that show. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about him, is that he seems so dull, but actually he's just normal. Yes. But yeah. he seems really dull compared to the rest of them. And, and a really good straight man like Michael, or like Hal and Malcolm in the Middle, is the person mm. who's the one that, like, everyone else is the wacky one. It's not the person who jumps to mind as the wacky one. Hal, no, is, Hal is pretty is, crazy, though. Yeah, he's uh, fucking literally. When he built that robot that shoots bees... Laser targeted when, bees. When, <laughs> when Lois went when, away, right? When he lost the, the famously when they started, Hal was supposed to be the the absolute nothing character. Like the whole point was that everything yeah. revolved around him as the kind of tent pole that like you know, he would be the one holding everything but was, together. Did the first episode, did that not open with him standing in his underwear in the kitchen with his back being shaved by Lois or something? I don't think that was the first episode. And the kids were like I... eating cereal and there was hair in it and shit. <laughs> I, I just remember it was early. I think it was early in the series. <laughs> 
It established uh, Hal quite nicely, I think. That's, that might be a bad example, but now I'm remembering all the weird shit Hal got up to. <laughs> yeah. Like, my favourite one is the one where he just runs into the room and says, like, who wants to make five dollars? <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear his nose going, oh my god! And it's like... Oh, he says, you're a good son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's like, it's yeah, like, yeah. make a ten, you're a good son. <laughs> got him, honey! It's like, I'm like, yeah, that's... Yeah, like, in some ways, it's... it's I think it's... The, uh, Malcolm in the Middle came out, became almost like The Simpsons. Mm. When you first start watching it, you're identified with the kids, and as it goes on, you start identifying with him more. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, his stuff is more kind of out there. And even just his one-liners and the stuff yeah. comes up. But like, and then we move in. Uh, using Community as an example, there's a bit in the first episode where Jeff Winger, uh, who is like, straight white dude, like that's, that's going to be your base. You've seen this dude before. You might, in, you've seen him in a hundred other shows yeah. over a hundred years. This, this is your protagonist guy. But there's a bit in that first episode where he just turns to someone in the school, like an older black lady, and wonders something aloud. And she goes, I don't know, and walks off. And he's like, I'm sorry, I was raised on television. I was expecting older black women to always give me advice. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that was me. I'd probably I'm, be a little bit sassy yeah, on her Yeah, yeah. And it, it, you're sitting at home going, that's me. I was expecting that as well. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. You you are my stand-in. Thank you. Yeah. So that's the, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's that whole identifiable character. Michael is that as well. That's the... You know, come with me on a magical journey. Like <laughs> they nearly in Buffy, they nearly do it in the title of the show. It's like Buffy, okay, the vampire slayer. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, but like, but like after the first few episodes, you thought that was normal, but people still scoffed at like uh, Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. Like, yes. Was, uh, so you know, fucking double standards here. chicken and dropped the chicken's body and the chicken's body was just flapping around and around whichever thing it fell on they were like oh that's what we're going with yeah. and with CSI you can't help but imagine that they had a few different categories of things oh, yeah. and they were just picking I'm the sure they had like their, their their wheel of murder like a wheel of fortune thing yeah, oh, yeah. Like, you get three spins on the wheel yeah it's a beheading in a sex dungeon with a cucumber yeah, yeah. And it's like our right. victim is a Miami socialite <laughs> yeah, yes like, this is a money maker isn't it <laughs> all throughout the series anyone else in the street when they do something they're like I didn't do that I don't know what you're talking about I don't know nobody by that name and they're always trying to like pin the blame on other people Omar treats himself like a brand he wants everyone to know if Omar's co- it's like Omar hit us up and he took all our money it's like yeah. we can go after him but it's Omar Yeah. and it's, he becomes this like like he's almost like the bogeyman because yeah. then you get a, his proper interest. so he comes in he busts in he shoots one guy in the leg after he won't talk to him. He basically kneecaps him with a shotgun. Yeah. And like has the rest in there and they, they lift all the money and they walk out. But the next time you see him is they're planning another quick robbing. They have the little 10 second planning. Yep. And he's walking down the street. And this is the, like his proper intro. Because they've teased him. Yeah. Oh, go quick snippet. Now you're going to pay attention when he shows up. And he's walking down the street and he's whistling. Mm. Yeah, and he he's not he has the gun and the gun is held flat at the side. And it's kind of an alleyway, right? There's a tall buildings either side. Well, no, no, he he makes them run into the alleyway. He's walking down the street because he's actually to scare the guys to running around the corner where his other two mates are waiting. Nice. And he's walking along and he's just and he's whistling on his there And everyone on the street's like, "Oh, Mark Colin!" And yeah, everyone, yeah. even the kids, are running. Like, it was guy. interesting when he said he was a brand because mm-hmm. they are just shouting Omar's coming on and yeah, everyone knows what's going on there everyone's like hey it's Omar and everyone's well, what Omar no there's only one Omar yeah everyone fucking scatters and like but then it's like like so it was great intro brilliantly like you know it, it, 
the whole thing of they literally it was come back to the trailer thing they literally did a trailer for him mm, before they nice. made him a main character they did that little snapshot of him planning they did the little like two minute stick up and then the proper time you see him is when he strolls yeah, down yeah. the street and he's like he, he walks down and he fears no man yeah. and it's like like all the others it's like whenever they go to do a hit uh, in the early part like they put the hood up or they drive yeah, yeah. up and they shoot and they run he strolls mm, and he has a swagger to him and then even like as the character develops, like there's so many times where like he he'll say something and you're like, that's brilliant. Like so there's all, like as the thing progresses, um, you find out he's gay, and his lover is one of the other guys in the crew, mm. and um, that guy is then uh, caught and tortured, mm-hmm. and they they're trying to find out where Omar is, and that sets off uh, like a, a revenge thing on him, and he becomes this like. Like he he becomes this relentless force in the TV show because mm. it wasn't his background that he moved around a lot, but he actually settled in this one area because of that almost like vendetta he had against that particular. Yes. Crew, yeah, yeah. The right? whole idea was that he would he he didn't have a fixed home because he mm. didn't want people to be able to track him. Yeah, he referred and, to himself as being in the wind rather than being yeah. homeless. Right? And he's he's also he hates people swearing. Right. At one point, he gives out to his boyfriend for swearing. Yeah. He's like nobody wants to hear that coming out of your mouth, and it's like. That, like it's this weird kind of moral code and then he has a, there's a part where he testifies I, I was only scene. watching this scene on YouTube yesterday man. Right. so, so when he, he testifies and he walks in and like wears something with a tie and he's wearing this amazing like big tracksuit like dress tracksuit and he's got like and it's black and red and he's got this like cream tie just kind of wrapped around his neck oh, like, it wasn't it wasn't tied it was like the tie was um, if you imagine it was kind of whole folded in half and he just puts it around his neck and, and pulls and one half through the other. Pulls one half through the other and yeah. through And that's it. Right. So it's just like it's a really primitive. And when he walks in, he like flaps it at your when you said, like, where's something with a tie? Oh, like, brilliant. But yeah. he, he, but, and even before he immediately goes in, like, they're like, why are you doing this? And he's like, you gotta have a code. And they're like, what do you mean? And he's like, I, I, as he says, I, I never put my gun on no citizen. So yeah. as far as he's concerned, if you're not in the game, and the game is the, the drug dealing business, yeah, the, the thing, if you're not in the game, you are not a target for him. He will never put his gun to you. Yeah. So it's like he has this weird moral standing, and it's the um. But when he comes in and he and, and even before he comes in, it's like they the little thing to illustrate how good the character is when you're sitting there. The guy sitting opposite him is like one of the bailiffs, and he's mm. doing a crossword, and he gets stuck, and he's like, and he's like not coming together for you, and he's like, ah, the, Mars is the god of war, isn't it? And he's like Ares, the Greeks call him Ares. He's like, hey, and it fits, and he's like. So I loved about them myths growing up. It was you know I loved, used to love reading them and all the rest, and it and it's just left at that. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes up and goes in and he sits down and they around and they're talking to him and they're like, "Why would you do this?" And he's like, "It's because you don't you know you gotta you, you don't put your gun on anyone who's not in the game." And then it, uh, the lawyer who's the defense lawyer for your man who's like introduced early on and he's meant to be played sleazy and he's yeah. all the rest. And Typ- he, typical lawyer. Kind yeah, of yeah, and he has all this lawyer. whole thing where he's like, he's like, "You're no, why should we trust you? You're a parasite." You live, you thrive on the, the corruption and the death in the city. He's like, no more than you. Yeah. And your man's like, what? And yeah, he's this, like, this lawyer is defending an accused murderer. Yeah, yeah. And no he's like, he's like there, right? I got the shotgun. You got the briefcase. It's yeah. on the game, though, right? And he just, and the lawyer just looks at the judge. The judge is like, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, for, again, for someone who hasn't seen the show, it sounds like that they're trying to make a point about this idea of myth, this idea of yeah. kind of... Um, when you're saying building a brand to me that's building a mythology behind someone uh, and the idea of him walking in the street whistling there's that old kind of uh, story about some Asian warlord or general back in the day and he sent his army out and another army comes over the hill 
and is going to try and you know take his town and take his like walled city and he's kind of looking and goes hmm my army is away and like this could end badly and, and um you know there, there's no winning strategy here we're going to be in for a tough one so he just opened all the gates sat in the gateway tuned up a, a mandolin just started playing a little tune to himself and he saw the scouts come over the hill and look at him and disappear back over the hill and the army never showed up. Hmm. He yeah. said, "No, he's he's clearly defended. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't yeah, have yeah, the balls yeah, to yeah, put yeah, himself yeah. at risk like that." The, something like that happens to Omar, right? So it gets to the point where he just walks up to he can walk up to where the stash house is and he knows exactly where they are. And he just go, he'll just stand there and he's like, "Don't make me come in there." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they'll drop a bag of drugs out yeah, the window, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he just picks it up and walks off. And then there's a there's a thing in like I think it's like season uh, three or four. Where he bag wakes up in the morning. Bag right? of drugs is the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like him and his him and his uh, him and his father. And he wakes up and he's like, and he gets up and he gets dressed, and uh, he, but he's wearing like, uh, like medium blue silk billowy pajamas and house coat, right? Yeah. And there's just pajama bottoms is and like jacket. slippers or something like and slippers, like right? Slippers and, and he goes shit. in to make himself some cereal, and it, it, there's a running gag with him where he's like, he, he's obsessed with honey nut Cheerios, and he's like, there's no honey nut Cheerios left fuck's sake and he picks up the gun and he's trying to tuck it into his belt but he's wearing like pajamas <laughs> so they keep falling out and he's like fuck it and he just puts the gun back and picks up his smokes and walks out and this is the first time he's gone outdoors when he's unarmed and he walks into the store and he grabs his uh, grabs his food and his new ports and then he's heading back and he's walking along and at one point he just walks over and he's like everyone see oh man coming and they all run they don't know how one thinks yeah. he's wearing pajamas oh man pajamas coming yeah and he walks over and he's just standing there and he's like, the street's deserted and he lights a cigarette and then just a bag of drugs falls beside him. <laughs> and he's like, and he picks it up and he walks back and walks in and he dumps it on the thing and there's like four grand worth of drugs. He's like, I don't even want this shit. <laughs> like, that's brilliant. It's yeah. The legend took over. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, that's TV. Johnny, what would your film be? So for my films, again, I had I do genuinely have this thing um, where my my absolute least favorite intro to a movie is if you start with a uh, news pro uh, opening. Like mm. it's you know it's it's pretty common with zombie movies. It's like you know we're on day three of the event and it's a news broadcast and this bullshit starts because it's, to me it's very very lazy. And on top of that, I really hate voiceover starting. I find it very very lazy. All your ones voiceover. Yeah, which is super <laughs> super super annoying. So I was like, oh, fantastic ones. Uh, I was thinking of Train Spotting, and he does the Choose yeah. Life opening, yeah. and he's running from the cops, and he, or not from the cops, but he's just running, and he gets hit with the car, and he starts laughing in the the windshield, and I was like, well, I don't like voiceover, so I'm not going to do that. Um, so I'll do this voiceover. And then I did well, Willy Wonka. That is an amazing <laughs> intro. It's the best yeah. intro moment for a character ever. Where after the, the uh, Gene Wilder, the Gene Wilder, um, the the not the remake, the and but he's not the protagonist. He, it Charlie Bucket yeah, is the protagonist yeah. who goes on and just it's an intro to a character. Mm. Uh, but that moment where he's frail and you've been hearing all these crazy stories about him, and then he does a tumble, and you realize you don't actually don't know. You've heard all these stories, you don't know anything about the character. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just went with the big Lebowski. Ah, oh, you went, fucker! That's what yeah. I was going. With. Well, I'll, I'll do I'll do transporting and be like, but the idea that. I was like, oh god, this vo- voiceover is so lazy, and then I realised it's an intro to a lazy protagonist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the idea that he is yeah. the laziest man in Los Angeles County, which would put him high and running for laziest worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my my favourite moment in it is because he it's he's smelling milk. He's he's mm. in a a ratty dressing gown. He's in jelly shoes. The shorts on. And it it. it kind of does the setting as well. It's the nineties. You can see yeah. George Bush Senior talking on the television, and he's signs a check. 
for 60 yes. cent <laughs> yeah, to yeah, buy yeah, a yeah. carton of milk. He's, still, he's got milk I, on I, his butt. I believe it's 67 cents. Is it 67 cents? So it's like some exact figure. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah. And he's got milk on his mustache. And like where he's been clearly drinking the milk he's now buying. Yeah. yeah. I, just, just when you were saying about the laziness thing, I did see something yesterday. It's not related to this, but it could be. It could be. This is something that we were talking about on a poster. This could be on a big Lebowski poster. If there was an Olympic, uh, if laziness was an Olympic event, I'd probably come fourth, so I didn't have to go up to the podium. That's <laughs> 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 brilliant. Um, I, w- I went through a lot of action movies and a lot of eighties movies as well because there's something very bombastic and cocainey about the kind of eighties movies, and even even kids movies from the eighties like Marty McFly and stuff like that. Mm. Like they, I'm sure there's loads of cocaine in that. Yeah, they like you guys shows up wearing three shirts and a body warmer and acid wash jeans and plays an electric guitar that fires him across the room. You're like, I get it, he's radical, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, that's yeah. very useful. But like, the, so was Ghost in the Shell well received? Yes and no. So here's the thing, there was a load of, well, this is what we're talking about, there was a load of people kicking off on the internet because, oh my God, they're whitewashing the character because yeah, they've cast a Western woman to play a Japanese character. Masamune Shiro, the guy who created the character, the guy who created the original book over 20 years ago, has stated she is meant to look American because the, the cyborgs are analogs for cars. If you want muscle cars, if you want combat-ready cars, you get American. All the hackers are Japanese because finesse, precision, technology yeah, yeah, is yeah, Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And then like I think the, there's a mention that the athlete ones are all Italian. Because they're sports cars. Oh, right. So he has said, I designed her to look like an American woman. Her did, body did she is in the ma- comic, like? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, she's meant to look like an American woman. I think that that's just a case then of internet people being fucking... Well, yeah, no, it's people, get, it's people getting... It's people getting... complain about Yeah, it's people getting up in arms when they haven't fully researched the subject and basically don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Because... Yeah. And you're like... And the same for Bato, who are her partner. It's played by an American. Again, because he's a military-grade cyborg. He's meant to be... Yeah. Able to all the guys in that who are military grade are are Americanized looking, and but all the ones who are more um hacking or diplomacy or anything like that where their bodies are built for because they're specializations they have and stuff, they'll be more Japanese in the appearance. Yeah, and it's yeah. been like that in the comics and it's like that in the TV series, it's like that in the films. So but it was only when I went live action people were like, yeah, and it's like shut the fuck up, you whiny prick. Yeah, it's yeah. they have no idea what they're talking about, like um but Anyway, just her intro in that uh, live action is actually a mix of the two. Because right. like I said, in, the, in the, the original film, it's a guy trying to defect, a programmer trying to defect. In the TV series, it's a gay house. Right. There's a yes. member of the government in there. That Because it's just more stylish, presumably, to... Well, that's in the films. Yeah. The, in, the, in the live action film, it's the, the cybernetic geishas that are, uh, that are serving these various diplomats and stuff get taken over so there is it's more of an odd to that cybernetic geishas yeah because okay. like the, the, it's all the tea ceremony Ke- and all Kev shifted it. in the seat there in a yeah. very meaningful way <laughs> I'm, I am open to cybernetic <laughs> so yeah it's like oh, I never knew <laughs> I hope this doesn't awaken anything <laughs> and it's an, a phenomenal good uh, phenomenally good uh, intro for a female protagonist hmm. because normally it's like with Ripley and, and the likes of that or Sarah Connor the other kind of great female protagonists of the last like 20-30 years a lot of the time it's the, they they get there by you know they're just regular folk and then something me- mental happens and they just mm. get their shit together yeah, and deal yeah. with it 
Whereas, like, she's more like the Wonder Woman approach of, like, nah, I was fucking made to deal with this shit. Yeah. But it was, it's it very well. It's like, with, yeah, with Ripley, it's almost like she's always set up to have to, you know, hammer home a bit hard, more that she's not, you know, just a girl hanging with the boys or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the film almost has to hammer it home a bit harder to you, the viewer, that, you know what, actually, she's a badass. And you need, yeah, to, but you need to understand that quickly, right? Famously, the, the film just needs to say this person is a badass because they wrote it gender neutral. They wrote the, game, yes. they wrote the yeah, film just using actually, surnames yeah. and gave it to someone. And I, I, I'm sure I mentioned this in a previous podcast or conversation, then our lives are bleeding together at this point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but the idea that somebody went, oh, we'll cast a woman, and that nobody in the chain said, no, don't do that. Like, let's yeah. make it a man. Everyone just went, all right. Like I really need to go fight, like find whoever it was who made that decision, and thank everybody in the chain after that. Yeah. That nobody said, "Would you not use a man?" That yeah, 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 no, I didn't was realize it? that that was the. Yeah, it's it's the whole how you sell things, and just on the terms of film, it's like, um, there's a, there's a story. I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but it's the story of how David Fincher got uh, the go ahead, the green light on Fight Club, hmm. right. and he made seven. And it was, you know, critical success and it done well at the box office. And, and I loved it the first time I watched it and then I watched it again a couple of years ago. I was like, uh, it, it didn't age I, great. I'm not enjoying the, this. The, yeah. I think part of it was I think the, the whole, audience like, didn't age great. <laughs> yeah, well, um, but you, like, so he went in and he was like, so I've got, I've got my thing that are down to two films. Um, Brad Pitt's on board. He wants to work with me again. He says he's happy to do these. So he has the star power behind him and he's, you know, grand. And they're like, so what are they and he goes okay so first one we start off exterior hospital um it's night time it's fairly quiet there's not like there's one ambulance in the bay that's that kind of thing it cuts around towards the side and there's a sign beside the door saying morgue and then it goes inside and you can see it's a corridor kind of that neon white blue bleached out effect there's a door at the end you see someone walking by the door but it's frosted glass cuts to inside the morgue so looking at the left hand wall all the cases are open half pulled out there's bodies on them and you can hear like stuff moving and grunts of exertion and then they become more rhythmic it cuts to the right and the guy has one of the bodies out of the bag and he's fucking it and the, the guy's like it's bold but I mean you know you just did seven people kind of know anything's fair game if we if we stick a, a hard rating on this okay so who catches this guy? He's like, you don't understand. This is the good guy. And they were like, <laughs> okay. And he goes, I got this other film called Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, now, I don't know. Like, I've, I've read about that in yeah, it was like, an yeah, Empire yeah. Total Film or one of those. Yeah. But it's the whole thing of like, how about that for a protagonist intro? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be <laughs> like, astounding. And, like, and if it was the protagonist, <laughs> it's probably Brad Pitt. So that's, you know... <laughs> well, they thought a lesson on how to pitch where you yeah. something so outlandish and horrible that no matter what the second thing is, they'll accept it. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. but it's that, you know, it's a negotiation. You go in, you don't care about the first three things in your list. Yeah. It's the yeah. fourth one is the one you want uh, properly. Like, Have you seen uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite's movie God Bless America? I, no, I love Bobcat Goldthwaite, but uh, no, I haven't seen uh, uh, His... Right. You know who Bobcat Goldthwait is? I don't Please get me. Oh, please get me right. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Bjork impression, yeah? yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he has a film called God Bless America. It is, it feels like a Charlie Brooker rant. Like it's this misanthropic uh, okay. um, uh, look at America, this pure satire about like American idol culture and everybody like worshipping stupidity. It's a, 
if it was in a double bill with Idiocracy, it would feel probably at home. Mm. Um, but the opening scene is this dude who's like just got a bunch of shit from work and everybody's watching like a singing contest at work and he doesn't give a fuck about it and he goes home and he can hear his neighbors fighting and like the dude hit the girl and the baby crying and it just goes into a fantasy montage of him kind of like like kind of you know uh, leaving work doing all this kind of thing it feels very falling down this mad thing but there's a bit where he just kicks in his neighbor's door uh smash it in and it goes into slow motion and music starts playing and everyone spins and they see the gun and the woman throws the baby in the air in fright and he just shotguns it out of the, the air. And I forgot that moment was in that movie because then they, they, like that fantasy moment ends and it goes back to his life. Yeah. And then the movie becomes this indictment of America as it stands. I said that to my friend uh, and he went and watched the movie and at that moment he paused it, rang me and said, what have you done? Why, you, why would you tell me to watch this? He's like, I am so freaked out right now. He's like, I've never been so unhappy in my entire life. And I was like, yeah, I forgot about that. Cheers. It is a, it's a startling moment. It's a startling way to say this is the character you're going to be following for the rest yeah, of this, yeah. this journey. Kev, your film was Lebowski apparently. It was but... was the big Lebowski, yeah. But I got I had a couple of others that I was thinking about. I mean, I think there's one that is probably the most obvious, certainly for anyone in or around our age group, is Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? I mean, yep. It's it's so obvious you almost don't want to talk about it, right? That yep. whole golden idol scene and you know the escape from that thing, and you had that kind of rough and ready guy who's out and he had his whip and he was you know in the in the the cave he gets betrayed by the guy and it's all a big mess. But then you see he's actually an academic as well. And yes. Like, hey, this guy is brains, and he's also the kind of um, you know dashing, strong, capable adventurer type. Isn't right? that is, is that the one, or is it one of the later ones where one of his students keeps blinking and she yes. has like so, "love you" or something written uh, on her? On her she eyes. has "love you" on her, on her eyes, and which means he's not just academic; he's also sexy, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Well, which like is... it's it's Harrison Ford at that point. Like, did they have to explain to people that like no, no, no like this man, uh, like Harrison Ford just looks like he knows how to deal with all this very weird yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and it works perfectly and the music swells and it's yeah. just like by the time he's on the plane you you know so much about this character it's, it's yeah, not I mean. even that he looks like he knows what he's doing he looks pissed off that he has to bother yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so much yeah, like yeah. oh god not this yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think that's nothing surprises that is perfect that's exactly what he's like yeah. the actual one that um, again it's it was an established character but it's the first moment that you properly see them and again in, in gaming it's so often done with like a little cutscene. Yes. So it actually happens a couple of minutes in, and it's Batman from the Arkham Knight, mm. and all hell's broken loose. So you got this really creepy. Um, you got the cutscene where you got the Scarecrow voiced by, uh, John Noble, mm. Dennis Thor. That was or, or, that was a turn right. Yeah, I didn't play that one. So he comes out and he's like he does he basically he's now got himself surgically altered. So the gas mask part of his face is bolted onto his oh, face shit. now. Mm. So the entire all good. the all the flesh is gone from his lower jaw. You can just see the sinews and the couple yeah, of the yeah. muscles, and he's got like the, the rag is kind of half hanging over, so you can see his mouth. And it's John Noble's voice, and yeah. he's doing full sinister John Noble. You're like, this yeah. is amazing. And he basically says, "I'm giving everyone twenty four hours to get out of the city because after that, the city is mine." And everyone panics and gets the fuck yeah. out. So to the point where Batman's trying to like near start, you're whipping around the place, and you come you come across these two bad guys, and you beat the crap. You're not going out. And you beat the other guy up and you're holding him and you're like, um, you ask him some questions. Like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. And he's like, right. 
if I find out you're lying, I'll be back to break your other wrist. He's like, my other wrist? And then he just snaps his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's just really like, he's holding him one handed and he's like, I'll be back to break your other wrist. Snap. And the guy's like, ah! And just falls down. And I'm like, it's beautiful. It's like, because at this point, it's meant to be the whole thing of Batman is well established. He knows exactly yeah. what he's about and he is taking zero fucking. Uh, sorry, I thought he's taking zero prisoners. Nobody dies in that. When you hit them with your four ton tank at 80 mile an hour, it's explained that there's electric bumpers and the electric field repulses them away while nice. knocking them out. It's like, yes, I definitely don't kill someone when I hit them that hard. And that Knocks they, them out into a puddle of water face down when yeah. they slowly drown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I literally slid that guy in, uh, I, I parasolided the, the Batmobile into that guy and pinned him against the building. He's just sleeping. It's totally yeah. fine. And the building also has a field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cushion, a cushion field. But it's that whole thing of like the other risk. Because again, in in... In a lot of games, it's self-insertion um, in that the character, the, the protagonist is meant to be a blank slate. Mm, and yes. you become that. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the you know, but then there's only some things with the likes of um, Batman where everyone knows Batman. Yes. Yeah. So here he is. And, and also I think I liked it because it was a Batman, it was a Batman thing. Where I didn't have to watch his fucking parents die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'd already covered that. In the We've space. already covered yeah. it, but it's that's not going anywhere. Like that's five minutes before we started, I decided my video games one was going to be Conker's Bad Fur Day. Oh god! Which <laughs> I, I, I played on the N sixty four. That that's that squirrel. It's creature. the squirrel, yeah, yeah. and the story behind it is that Rare were making a game uh, because Nintendo wanted to have a bunch of games coming out once, which are quite cute. So they had a Diddy Kong game being worked on. I think they had Banjo Kazooie being worked on. And Rare didn't know about those other games and were making a game about a squirrel. And they said, great, it'll, it'll really work well with our, um, with our lineup of you know, cute games that are coming out. And they went, right, right, okay. And they brought it back and said, everybody, whatever you're doing, we got to completely change it to make it memorable because we're going to get lost. So they did like, you know, if you've played through it, there's an entire Matrix sequence. There's a Saving Private Ryan sequence. Yeah. There's a sequence where you're trying to put pacifist bees around a sunflower that has very large breasts because she's covering her breasts with leaves. But when the bees go around her, she starts batting at them with one hand. And if you get enough bees around her, she bats at them with both hands and you get to look at her breasts. This that's, is that's a real thing. That's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit oh, where there's oh. a bit where you throw toilet paper into the mouth of a giant shit creature <laughs> yeah. to try and rescue a piece of corn that is inside him, but is perfectly safe because he can't be digested. Corn, <laughs> right? There's there's so many weird points oh, in that man. movie. I'm disappointed I haven't played this. The the and there's a, the remastered version for the Xbox, but I, I the emulators out there, I would recommend going and playing it. And the opening sequence, because it's a ridiculously characterful game like this, it's so funny. Uh, is uh, a hangover. It starts with, you know, instead of the amnesia protagonist, it, star hungover. it starts with the hungover protagonist. And it's him drunk. And he's drinking with, like, the Grim Reaper and a bunch of weird characters. <laughs> and he's, like, fucking pissed out of his mind. And he rings his girlfriend, who's another sexy squirrel who's doing, like, doesn't get his phone call. And it cuts to him walking outside and vomiting. And, like, they, as soon as you see the squirrel vomit, um, you realise that this is a particularly weird game. Um, and I've what, just what was it, the rating on this game? Was it was it was an R rated game. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then the game starts, and uh, he has to ex do a tutorial, and which he fucking hates, and he's hungover. So they make you walk twice as slow through the tutorial, in order to get there, because he fucking hates tutorials, and he's too hungover. And the first thing you need to do is get some Alka Seltzer for him, and that's your introduction to this, the character. This is a three D platformer, right? This is a three D platformer. It's like um, Mario yeah, three D yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, on the N sixty four, and. 
It is it is a delight of a game. I need to look up some playthroughs of this game, man. Because <laughs> like I, I got a PlayStation and I, I, I didn't I had very limited exposure to the yeah. N sixty four, so there's a bit with dung beetles in it who speak in a scouse accent and use the word cunt liberally. And I'm pretty sure that nobody what? just was able to hear it because it was a scouse accent. I think it just <laughs> slipped through. Uh, oh, there's so much in that game. This, uh, I'm, I'm gonna uh, after we finish recording, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna get YouTube and I'm gonna watch playthroughs. <laughs> yes, I would thoroughly recommend it. So that five minutes before we start recording, I realized that that's absolutely the best that protagonist like pretty, introduction pretty in any game. My mind's gonna seem so boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I had I had two, and both are equally boring after that. Um, the first one is one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite game series. Um, I had like a. Pong. 14 inch polystone statue of Pong? Of Kratos. <laughs> Kratos. The, the God Fantastic. of War. Um, the intro from the TV series or from the game series? God of War. Yeah. Because I love um, mythology, much like Omar. Right? I love, love them myths, man. And, <laughs> uh, um, you know, the, the whole idea that you, you've got, you know, uh, you've got these cities in Greece and you've got. Ares, the god of war, like just standing above the city, towering above it all, and you're Kratos, and you know your goal is to take that guy on. You know what I mean? And there's everything about that intro was just him being this badass, mm. and then they had they give the backstory about the family and that whole thing, and you know it's it's just cool, and it's not it's not incredibly deep or anything like that, but it doesn't need doesn't to, be. to be. You know what I mean? Like, this this is a guy that has two blades, one in each hand. He can't do anything because he's always holding blades. And those blades have <laughs> How chains. How does he wipe? <laughs> yeah, those blades, painfully. Those, those blades have chains on them that wrap around his wrist and they're actually like burned into his wrist. And he throws the blade and the chain extends and he pulls back. And the whole thing is just vicious and brutal. And, you know, I just love that character because he's just a badass. Kind of like you were talking about Ghost in the Shell earlier on. Yeah. Uh, just straight away from the intro, you, you, you get a sense that this, this this person is a badass. This is what they are built to do, right? Yeah. And with Kratos, you know, that, that's that's just him. That's what he does. And the new game looks interesting because he's got a beard. He's got a kid beside him. I don't know whose kid it is. Yeah. But it's kind of like ever since like The Last of Us, you know, it's, you got to have that kid to tug at the heartstrings in, in yeah. games now. Um, but he's still... I'm sorry. Ashley Williams, Resident Evil 4. She was the she, she's the one that the, the, it's her fault most of the time. Yeah, Ashley, yeah. yes, it's time to hide in the dumpster again. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> cool. All right. That's our show. Big thanks to all our friends who joined us. Remember to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Dystropia Podcast. And also check us out on YouTube so you can see our smiling faces. Thanks for listening.